Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever felt lost or alone, unsure of where you were going? There was a story just yesterday in the New York Times about a woman named Amanda Eller who was lost recently in a Hawaiian forest on the island of Maui for 17 days. The story said that she was going on a short trail walk uh, that she had been on many times before uh, when she stopped to rest and then she got turned around and lost her way back to her car. Each day, not knowing where she was going, she went deeper and deeper into the forest, and each day her hopes of survival grew more and more dim. At one point, she fell 20 feet off of a cliff, fracturing her leg and tearing her meniscus. On another day, she lost her shoes in a flash flood, causing her to have to slow down her pace as she walked. She had no food. Uh, She had left her water bottle and her cell phone in her car as she thought this was just going to be a quick, familiar hike. She says, I was getting so skinny that I was really starting to doubt if I could survive. And then on day 17, as she was in a stream searching for something to eat, the helicopters started circling above her and she was finally safe. Lost, alone, and afraid, and yet she she was able to endure, able to hang on just long enough. Most of us, hopefully, have have never been lost in such an extreme way, but I think it's fair to say that we've all felt the, the pangs, the fears of being alone on our own, not sure what's coming next or how we will go on. The disciples in today's gospel reading are experiencing that fear. We're nearing the end of this glorious Easter season, and one way that we know that we're nearing the end is, as I said last week, because we're back in John's Gospel account, hearing a bit of Jesus' farewell discourse. We always do this at the end of the Easter season. The farewell discourse, as we said last week, begins in John chapter 13 and goes all the way through John chapter 17. It's a, a long goodbye that Jesus offers to his friends. Today we find ourselves back in a story that takes place on the night before Jesus is to be crucified. We're going back before the Easter event to hear Jesus talk to his friends about what will happen after the Easter event. And his disciples, they don't seem to be able to understand all that he is saying to them. One biblical commentator that I read likens this scene between Jesus and his disciples to children playing on a living room floor who happen to look up and see their parents putting on their coats and hats. When that happens, this biblical commentator said, the children, children usually have three questions that they start to ask their parents. Where are you going? Can we go? And who is going to take care of us now? That seems to be what's happening in this farewell discourse. Jesus is saying goodbye, and the disciples are asking those very same questions. Where where are you going? Can we go with you? Who is going to stay with us, Jesus, when you are gone? I think that some of the scariest times in life are those moments when we're all alone and we don't know what's going to happen to us next. You're stranded on some obscure road in a little-known city with a a broken-down car and no cell phone service. Who who will help me, you think? Or maybe you're 
partner or spouse, a family member or a close friend has just died, and the future just seems very bleak without them. How, how can I go on with this person in my life, we say to ourselves? Or maybe you've lost your job and you have no idea how you're going to, to pay the bills when they start to come in. When, when these moments creep into our lives, we can often feel abandoned or desperate or alone. What will happen to me is the question that we ask over and over again. And I think that must have been, that must have been how these disciples are feeling when they are gathered together with Jesus listening to him say goodbye. What, what do you mean you're leaving us? How will we survive? How will we go on? How, how can we continue this work without you, Jesus? The painful side of, of seeing God in Jesus is that just as Jesus came into the world, today he says that he has to return back to God. During his brief life on earth, he, he bonds with so many people, and now toward the end of his life, he tells them that he is leaving. And the plain fact is, and you all know this very well, the deeper the bond, the more painful the absence will be. This is what the disciples are experiencing today. And it's in the midst of of that fear and anxiety that Jesus begins to speak to them. In our reading after Jesus explains that he's going away, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. I think that there are a couple of ways that we tend to talk about peace in our our day-to-day lives. The first way that we talk about it is sort of on a personal level. Most of us, I think it's fair to say, seek peace in, in worldly things, living in a nice house, driving a reliable car, wearing decent clothes, having a good education or a, a well-paying job. And we probably say that when we've achieved some, uh, some or all of those things, then we are at peace to some extent. And none of those things are bad, by the way. And that, so that's, that's one way that we talk about peace. The other way, the second way that I think we, we think about peace is on the, the communal or the global level. Many of you, like me, say your prayers every day and think about how to bring an end to violence in our city and in our country and in our world Maybe you pray for peace in the Middle East as we do every Sunday here at St. John's Church. Maybe you pray for peace in our streets or in our schools or in our houses of worship. Maybe, maybe your prayer is for peace in your home or someone else's home where there is discord or strife. We pray for those things. We work to bring about some sort of peace, some sort of end to anger and violence and hatred, and that's all good, holy, important work. That's the second way that we talk about peace. The peace about which Jesus speaks today, though, is very different. It goes beyond all of our day-to-day longings for peace. This portion of our text for today is sometimes called Jesus' great bequest because he is giving, he's bequeathing something to his disciples. Peace. His peace. Peace not as we understand it in all of our worldly terms, but his peace that, as St. Paul says, passes all of our understanding. Catherine Jeffert Shorey, when she was the, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, liked to, to talk about shalom. Shalom is just that Hebrew word for peace, but when it's used in the, in the Bible, it has a much deeper meaning. This is how Bishop Shorey defines shalom. She says that it's a rich, multi-hued vision of a world where everyone is invited to a seat at God's table. 
It's a vision, she says, of a world where no one is sick or in prison because all sorts of diseases have been healed. It's a vision, she says, of a world where no one enjoys abundance at the expense of another. Shalom means that all human beings live together as siblings, at peace with one another and with God, and in right relationship with all of the rest of creation. That's the shalom of God. As Jesus sits with his disciples trying again to tell them about what is to come, he offers them that peace, that shalom, that that wholeness. Jesus gives to his friends the the shalom, and and we can begin to experience that shalom even if if everything in the world isn't yet good or, or right or just. The peace which the world gives is short lived, it will not last forever. The peace which Christ gives is eternal, unending, and if if we let it, it will begin to arise within our hearts and pour forth from our lives. William Sloan Coffin, who is the pastor of the Riverside Church in New York City, says that, that peace takes some effort. He says that we would love to experience this peace without any effort on our part, but when Jesus promises us his peace, he says, it's like a father promising a daughter a good education or a general promising his soldiers victory. It's a demand, he says, as well as a promise. We have to work for the promise to come true. It's like that that wonderful hymn, hymn number 661 in our hymnal, one of my favorites by William Alexander Percy. They cast their nets in Galilee. The last verse goes, The peace of God, it is no peace, but strife closed in in the sod. Percy, I think, seems to be saying that simply following God does not bring about peace. There is much hard work involved. But as Percy writes in the last phrase of that fourth verse, our, our task as followers of Jesus is to pray, but for one thing, the marvelous peace of God. The peace of God takes work, hard work, but, but that is our calling, that is our prayer. Today Jesus offers us, offers you his peace, his shalom. What we hear this morning is a story that takes place in the shadow of the cross, in the shadow of pain, in the shadow of betrayal and death. And it's in the midst of that darkness that Jesus speaks light and hope to his friends, to you and to me. And he says that his peace is unlike anything else that the world might offer. The disciples, those closest friends of Jesus, have a hard time understanding, grasping all that Jesus is saying as he says his goodbye. They don't quite understand how he could leave them or how they will go on without him in a difficult world. They are awaiting some sense of the Spirit's presence in their lives. And the same thing is true for us, I think. We are disciples living in a difficult world. At times we may feel abandoned, at times we may feel all alone, at times we may be scared and not know how we can go on. But Jesus' promise is that he will give us peace in a way that no one else can, a peace that endures to the very end. The peace of God, it is no peace but strife closed in the sod, yet let us pray for but one thing, the marvelous peace of God. Amen.